You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of the Comic Book Informer. We are coming to you on a great Wednesday, May 2nd. As always, I'm Vince, along with Roger. What's up, man? What exactly is making it a great Wednesday? I need to It's know. just a good week in it's general. It's a good day, is what you're saying. Okay. All it's right. it's the beginning of a series of several good days. All right, then. I, well, I'm hoping it's going to be infectious, then. At, Not at yet worst, on this end. <laughs> <laughs> at worst, it'll just make you angry at my... Yeah, so. really, because it does tick me off. Well, you know, um, some of us are allowed to be I, happy. I, I like it when bad things happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to check my tires and stuff. This <laughs> It's not worth the flight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, today we're talking about the recent crossover event that just wrapped up over in Marvel called the Omega Effect. It started in Avenging Spider-Man number six, ran through Punisher number 10, and Daredevil number 11. It was co-written by both Mark Wade and Greg Rucka with primary art by Marco Cicchetto. And I have mixed feelings on this little miniseries, not even miniseries, crossover, whatever it's, you're going to call it. Because at its core, it seemed to me like a Daredevil story with a Punisher side plot and... Spider-Man just kind of happens to be there. I mean, how do you feel about that? I, hmm, I'm not going to disagree with you. Although I wouldn't even say that Punisher was even a side plot. It was he was just kind of tacked on. He doesn't have a plot. He's just there and told to behave. He's on a leash, so and just to cause trouble and be the pun of the jokes for Spider-Man. So. See, the way that I feel about it, I don't know if you want to first talk about what it is and then we'll say everything or just, because I'll lay it out on the line right now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, um, I think this was actually what happened when we had that little Amazing Spider-Man Daredevil crossover a couple months ago is when this little Omega Drive thing first showed up, right? Okay, well, you, correctly? you lost me then because that's one of the biggest things that I have a problem with is that damn drive. Because if you're reading this and you're reading the first part, well, you're not really told anything about it. Okay, you're told that it's part of a Fantastic Four costume and has this limitless amount of space and all of this crap. and and it, But it doesn't say, okay, well, who made it? Uh, if Johnny's the one that lost part of his costume, somebody then took that technology and made a a, a jump drive out of it. <laughs> really? So I'm assuming that was explained somewhere in Daredevil, but that doesn't really help. It wasn't this in little here. crossover exactly. because we're not reading Daredevil. As great as it may be, we're not into it. I'll. You know what? I I'm I'm willing to go back and get caught up on the Daredevils now. I'll I'll read them all in a row and see. You know, whether or not it, it has improved from what I thought initially kind of thing and, and go from there. But that doesn't pertain to this little thing. And so, like, when you're reading the first, um, which was in the Avenging, uh, Avenging Spider-Man number uh, six. six. Yeah. Um, so you're, 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 it's explained that there's this drive. So Reed is telling Spider-Man this. So there's this drive and it has limitless amount of space. It has these, what was it, how does he say it even? Self-healing firewalls. <laughs> okay, now I'm a tech. 
<laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm the smartest tech in the world kind of thing or that I'm up on every single technology in, all, in the world and all that. And I know that this is supposed to be read speak. Yeah, but, I was about to say, do you, do you often deal with computers that, that read Richard's work? Self-healing firewall. What the hell is a self-healing firewall? Uh, anyways, so, and then you're told that it has all of the data for all of the crime in, in freaking New York. And, but it doesn't say, okay, well, if it's a piece of the costume that got scooped up by somebody and they decided to, again, make a jump drive out of it, which is the most asinine, asinine <laughs> plot device I've ever heard of. But let's tack on top of that, that somebody was able to make it work with a PC or maybe a Mac. These these are Mac boys. <laughs> Fantastic Four costumes yeah. are Firewire. <laughs> exactly. They, they work with anything. Um, so, yeah, so then it, it, they made it into this. And then how did they get all of the information for all of the crime in New York and get it on there? Let alone get it on there, the logistics of that. <laughs> but actually, how did they gather all of this information about all of this crime. And so when I, I read the first issue and it was like, okay, you know, I was I was digging the, I, I kind of like the relationship between Spider-Man and Daredevil. I, mm-hmm. I think it works fairly well because Daredevil isn't just the Frank Castle of the empty stare kind of thing, but no pun intended there, but he's very, he has a very, very dry sense of humor that works well with Spider-Man's manic sense of humor kind of thing and sarcasm. So I like seeing the two of them together. So I was willing to give this little mini arc, story arc, um, quite a bit of leeway for a first issue, hoping that the logistics of some of this would at least be explained in either the Punisher or the Daredevil one. And it doesn't. At no point does it get explained, only that it's this doomsday device kind of thing. Not doomsday device, but this device that this is what is garnering the attention of all the crime lords and all that. And then why don't we all bring him to the freaking park so I could show it to them? And again, I'm thinking, really? What? What? Why? What? What is going on here? There were too many parts that I was, I was willing to give them some leeway. And then at one point it was like, okay, well, it's just... It got asinine. This doesn't make sense anymore. It's not being explained to us. And so, again, I don't like being taken for a fool when I'm reading a comic book. Yeah, basically the the major issue going on here is that the various crime organizations, uh, the Hand, Hydra, AIM, etc., etc., know that Daredevil is in possession of all this information. So Daredevil himself has become a major target. So what the, the little plan they come up with between the three of them well, technically four because Alves is there, is to just basically go on this, you know, one night rampage against crime, get everybody's attention, and then publicly destroy the drive so that they'll leave Daredevil alone. So Daredevil gets his piece, Punisher gets a great night of just beating up on villains, and Spider-Man, he, he gets, gets to nothing. be happy. Yeah, <laughs> that, gets the that was my friend. biggest issue with this is that, OK, you're doing this this big crossover deal, you know, involving Spider-Man. And even though this was primarily a Daredevil story, at least there was some plot advancement from what we had going on in the Punisher comic. You know, not with Frank himself, but with the actual storylines going on there. But Spider-Man's entire role in this comic is just to be there. <laughs> yeah, there were too many parts that it it was just 
I don't want to say stupid, but, you know, for lack of a better term, it was just stupid. It's just, you're reading it and going, really? This this is your master plan. The three freaking, well, two superheroes, uh, Frank and an extra, are, this is the best that you guys can come up with. You know, it just, there were too many points where it was like, no, this doesn't make sense. No, this is, and I mean, Spider-Man's supposed to be like, a smart guy you know <laughs> like could, I, yes he's made some mistakes in his life and not always the best life choices but come on this is not it, it, it makes no sense plus it doesn't even begin to think about how the good superheroes let's not talk about frank but the good superheroes could use the information on the drive to fight crime in New York, maybe put some of these guys away. You know, you would think that the lawyer may want to use this information <laughs> as a means of putting some of these guys behind bars. No, let's just destroy it. Let Frank shoot some rubber bullets at them. That'll learn them. They won't ever do this again. <laughs> I bet that hurt. No, oh, don't really? do any more crime. <laughs> It, again, see, there were too many points like that. And then the stuff with, uh, what's her name? The uh, the woman. Uh, Alves. Alves? Cole. Is Cole is, yeah. Everybody insists on calling her. Yeah. Like, okay. At I first, when, with the whole Cole-Alves thing, I was like, okay, you know. But I think they did that gag probably 15 times over the course of these three issues. Like, you're telling me even Frank refuses to, to get with the program here? <laughs> I, I agree. Everything with that character was cliched crap it was i'm sorry i for again i don't want to sound a little overly harsh to the writers here but it was so cliche oh my god and of course of course she is the one that's going to you know quote unquote stab daredevil in the back at the last moment she's the one that's going to run away with the driver nobody saw that coming Mm -hmm. of course not and then nobody saw it coming that it'd be daredevil who finds her of course lures her into this place and then the the whole big speech and everything and it was like oh seriously this is just cliched crap at this point and then of course hand over the drive and just as she's handing it off get shot oh spoiler in case you freaking haven't read a comic or seen a movie in 50 years it you know the initial concept was weak to begin with but i think they still could have built on it in a way that would have created a story that was far better and much more intelligent than this while still having a lot of action for the fans and the the banter between the three of them because again you tack spider-man in not just with daredevil but with frank there were a few moments that were cute there but it could have been even better (laughs) the the whole is that your girlfriend thing i'm sorry that was great (laughs) so there was a lot of things that that could have been done better but uh but unfortunately it just came off so unbearably weak and i was i was really disappointed mm-hmm. and just on top of that the the entire concept of the crossover itself a crossover is meant to do two things one give the fans a fun story involving their favorite characters and two optimally increase the readership across all the various crossover comics so like I said, Spider-Man's role in this was virtually non-existent. So why would anybody have a reason to pick up Avenging Spider-Man if they hadn't been reading it previously? Or <sighs> I think like that, that it was that, just to have his name as yeah, part it, of the it, event he, for sales. That, that was That's the sales booster, yeah. yeah. Or you know, if you haven't been reading Daredevil, well, good freaking luck with this entire story. <laughs> and if you if you haven't been reading Punisher, well, 
it, there's nothing here to really drive you like, oh, I want to see what happens between Frank and Alves. So I, oh, Frank was I, so un, unbelievably weak mm-hmm. in this. It was, yeah, I was so disappointed because you know, I I do like the character and and I know that in some series, especially as of late, it's there's a lot more hatred for him from all of the superheroes and whatnot and so like there used to be some of that but not to this degree and so now like I again I still I, I still like the character a lot of people do and I like what they've been doing with him in the new series and but then you get to this and he was he he was wallpaper that's all he was you 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 saw him in action a few times he said a few things a few times and that was about it it was Again, he was he was nothing. I mean, even less than Spider Man. Yeah, it's it's close. Let's just say yeah. that. Much. And the baby, <laughs> seriously, uh, delivering a baby. What in the <laughs> hell? Why? Why? Seriously, there, there was there was absolutely no reason as a plot device or as a character moment or as a progressing a story or keeping the pace of the action going there was absolutely no reason for that little shtick because that's all that was in there none not i i it was seriously one of those (laughs) facepalm moments where i'm like what what these guys aren't new to comics these like These are Eisner Award-winning writers. Yeah, I, which, you know, and when you say that, that's when people are going to say, well, obviously they know more what they're doing than you. Okay, fine. But then the guys who build freaking Jaguars know a lot more about building Jags, but I can still say what I like and don't like about them or whatever kind of thing or any creative media. So it's just i read this and and having read you know thousands and thousands of comics i'm reading this going what the hell is this it has no purpose in there it is completely idiotic and it just oh maybe we'll name her daredevil name her dare for short what seriously <laughs> oh it was it was absolutely and the name stupid. shepherd shall forever be known as hero <laughs> it was uh, it was absolute stupidity all right well nonsensical story and minimal character development aside the one good thing in this was i loved the art freaking art was ripping oh marco Cicchetto destroyed it on every page and matt hollingsworth his coloring really added a lot to this because you had that dark shadowy look that you need in in a punisher story and yet you still had the bright characters of spider-man and daredevil just popping off the page but it all fit together. So if nothing else, this is a gorgeous three issues to look at. Oh, it was. Yeah. The, the, the saturation of the reds and blues, especially, um, even up against the, like the maroon of the ninjas kind of thing, the burgundies, it's, there was so much, there was so much contrast. There was so much to, to jump off the page. It really, really looked fantastic. All right. So uh, anything else to say about this? I think I've said my piece. <laughs> okay, good. Because I don't know about you, but I have a pile for what we're reading this week. Well, then you can do it all because we'll say it right now. I've got none. I got hooked into reading the um, 
The Jumper novels and uh, by Stephen Gould, I believe is who it is. And I had it on my iPad and I started with three. I didn't know I had one and two. And so I started reading three because I loved the Jumper movie. I remember watching it with the kids. And so I read three and it was fantastic. And then I realized I have one and two. <laughs> so I kind of read them out of order. And so I ripped through all of one, which was quite a bit bigger. And I'm halfway through um, two right now. So I've been sucked right into those novels so i actually haven't read any comic books so it's you, all you. you you are a poor excuse for a i am a terrible podcaster <laughs> all right well the first one i want to talk about and i actually wanted to talk about this a couple of weeks ago but the last few episodes we've been so pressed for time i kept putting it off and that's carnage usa and i mentioned this several months back when the first issue came out because I was shocked about how much I enjoyed this miniseries. Uh, Zeb Wells was doing the writing uh, with Clayton Crane on art. And like I said previously, Crane does some amazingly detailed art. Just usually it's colored so dark you don't see it. But Carnage USA didn't have that trouble. Like it, this was just really good looking. And Zeb Wells has taken what is one of the iconic <sighs> – types from the 90s like you, you think of the 90s you think of several things and one of them is the friggin symbiotes because they were so overdone in the 90s that people really stopped caring about them we're seeing them coming back with you know venom of course being fantastic and they're slowly bringing carnage back in he had his mini series last year and then this is this year's offering and they're really expanding on what they're doing with the symbiote family um we had new symbiote characters come in using the symbiote powers in really creative ways more than just, you know, suit that makes weapons and kills people. So I, I really like what they're doing with the entire concept. It told a great story. <laughs> that, you know, Carnage had basically expanded his mass so much that the symbiote had taken over the entire town. So you had these symbiote townsfolk, even to, you, you had Carnage Captain America and Carnage Thing. It was completely ridiculous and over the top, but still a very enjoyable read. Even to the point when, you know, the government calls in their symbiotes, that doesn't work. They go to Plan B and bring in Venom. And I think this was the first time Spidey and the new Venom had come face to face because there's this hilarious moment where Venom rescues him and Spider-Man looks up and like, oh, my God, they gave the Spider-Man my or they gave the Punisher my costume. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it has that Spider-Man comedy with great action, good character development. I was completely shocked that I, this was so good because growing up when I did anything involving symbiotes and Carnage, especially – I expect it to be terrible, and this was actually quite good. Okay. I'll have to check it out because that's one of the ones I've been wondering about for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Beyond that is Profit. And again, this is one that was completely off my radar. As part of the 20th anniversary for Image, they're bringing back a lot of old properties, specifically the entire Extreme line of comics, which was Rob Liefeld's line. And yeah, I, we, we've been over Liefeld. <laughs> but... He's handing off the established properties to new writers, new artists, and I have no idea what profit was before. All I know is they restarted it at issue 21 as a fresh jumping on point. I'm like, okay, whatever. Kept hearing people talking about it and talking about it. Talking about it. So I finally checked it out. Uh, issue 21 through 24 is out now. And it's just this amazing science fiction story uh, where this – 
man, John Prophet, he, he starts off like in the middle of nowhere with this machine coming out of the earth and he comes out of hibernation basically. And he wakes up thousands of years in the future. I don't know. And it's kind of got that weird 2000 AD heavy metal feeling to it where they just throw so much weird crap at you all at once and you just kind of have to roll with it. I mean, bizarre alien races, weird technology. They don't waste too much time explaining it because they don't need to. They tell you as much as you need to know to move on with the story and you just roll with it. And you became, I became really engrossed in what was going on here with John. Very interesting story. And then uh, once you get to the end of issue 23, I don't want to ruin it, but basically they open up an avenue to tell more stories in this, in this vein, uh, with different characters and expanding on this whole universe they've created. And I don't know how long they can carry through with this formula, but at least for now, it's a really crazy sci-fi story that I would not have expected out of a formerly Rob Liefeld property. <laughs> I haven't read it either, actually. All right, and then the last one I wanted to touch on was Avengers number 25. Uh, AVX tie-in, blah, 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 who cares? Uh, it's actually the beginning of Brian Bendis' final run on Avengers. But beyond that, it marks Walt Simonson's return to Marvel after many years away. And for anybody who's paid attention, I love Walt Simonson. He's one of the writers and artists that really got me into comics with his work on Thor in the 80s. So seeing him come into Marvel and my God, just plain and simple, like the story in this is kind of whatever. It's a hand waving thing at this point. But this is what comics are supposed to look like. Sure, he's not, you know, perfect. The faces are a little funky here and there. But when you have, you know, him drawing this huge Thor going into action or Captain America and Storm, plain and simple, this is what a comic book should look like. Big, huge, pop off the page action this was just a great sight to look at from an old school style. But but I don't want to read a tie in for Avengers versus X-Men. I know you don't. I really don't. I got to say, though, <laughs> um, I'm actually really liking the uh, the take they're doing on the tie in with new Avengers. So they're telling this cool Phoenix story with Iron Fist that really has me interested. OK, I mean, you know what? This is going to turn into like some of the other ones where I'm just waiting till the end and then I'll decide whether or not I want to I want to actually subject myself to reading through all of it <laughs> at least from what i've seen in the tie-ins they're all doing something completely different with it like i said uh, new avengers is doing this uh iron fist story and secret avengers is actually doing their whole return of captain marvel story where the thor and beast and some of the other characters go into space to stop the phoenix force and actually end up on the Cree home world where they use the Phoenix Force to resurrect some version of Captain Marvel, whatever. It's going into their uh, what they've marketed with uh, Carol Danvers, the current Miss Marvel, fully becoming the new Captain Marvel and stepping up into the role she's been destined for her whole life. So they're, they're taking this AVX event and using it as a jumping point for several different stories instead of just telling the same story over and over again from different perspectives. Still. <laughs> It it's it's the least terrible group of tie-ins I've seen. All right. Yeah, but you like the freaking Avengers. This is true. So there you go. All right. Well, on to this week's new releases. On Marvel, we have Age of Apocalypse number three, Amazing Spider-Man 685, continuing Ends of the Earth, uh, blah, 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 blah. Avengers Academy number 29. I am so not editing that out. Go for it. Hey. It's staying in. <laughs> You're going to loop it over and over again. I right? 
now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Avengers Academy number 29, Avengers versus X-Men number three. I'm sorry. Defenders number six, Exiled number one, which is the start of a very interesting crossover I'm looking forward to between Journey into Mystery and New Mutants. Invincible Iron Man 516, Ultimate Spider-Man number 10, Venom number 17, the final issue of Wolverine and, and the X-Men Alpha and Omega, and X-Factor number 235, as well as a new hardcover edition of the Kree Scroll War Avengers storyline, which has pretty much nothing to do with anything going on right now in Marvel Comics or even the movies, but this is actually a version of the storyline they're running in the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes animated series, so it's an interesting comparison for anybody who's watching that. For DC, we have Animal Man number nine and Swamp Thing number nine. And we also have the first uh, issues from the new wave of the 52 with first issues for Dial H, Earth 2, GI Combat and World's Finest. I was wondering when those were coming. Mm -hmm. I'm actually interested in seeing what they do with both Earth 2 and World's Finest. So unfortunately, we're going to have a new number one episode coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. For oh. good or ill. Yeah. We, we so enjoyed the last <laughs> <laughs> and we finally starting to get the collected editions uh, amongst others this week. There is volume one of Animal Man and volume one of Justice League, Animal Man in paperback, Justice League in hardcover. And then rounding out the list this week from Dynamite, we've got issue two of Voltron year one. Uh, I'm hugely looking forward to reading this one. Mind the Gap, number one from Image, which is a new thriller comic from Jim McCann, writer of Return of the Dapper Men. Really? I yes. didn't even hear that. I know. Awesome. Okay. And another really interesting one, XO Man of War number one from Valiant Comics. Valiant Comics is one of the many comic companies that propped up during the big boom in the 90s and then went completely bankrupt in record time. So they're choosing now at what's quite possibly the weakest Worst retail time. environment in comics history to make their relaunch. So if nothing else, it's going to be really entertaining to watch. So that's all we've got for you this week. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com, on Twitter at CBinformer. You can email us, Vince or Roger, at comicbookinformer.com. And we'd really appreciate your thoughts on iTunes reviews, recommendations for comics, anything you guys would like to tell us, we're going to at least take a look at. I'll, I love making Roger read stuff he doesn't want to. So let us know what you'd like to see on the show, and we'll do our best to put it in. So until then, we'll see everybody next week. 